This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. everyone it is jay scott once again you're listening to the hook rocks the ultimate rock community podcast hope you're doing well hope you're staying safe staying healthy lots going on out there hope you're keeping a smile on your face and you're using things like this like the hook rocks podcast and music or whatever it is to be the escape that you need i know certain places are easing restrictions like i know my son is about to go back to school two days a week, which is exciting and great for him and his social interaction and seeing his buddies and his friends. So I think a lot of that is happening across the country and in other places. So it's great. It means we're making progress. Hopefully that continues. I'd like to welcome in our next guest, who is a repeat guest, who was on, geez, over a year ago. It's been a while. She is the leading... UK person when it comes to new rock music and promoting it and exposing it and spotlighting it. There's a lot of great bands here in America. There's a lot of great bands in the UK. And Anastella is the place to go when you want to find your fix on new music and what's going on in the UK, whether it's Revival Black, whether it's Massive Wagons, whoever the band is. Anne's got the pulse on it and has talked to them, has created a outlet for them to be exposed and for you to get to know them. What's going on, Anne? Hi, Jay. It's so nice to see you again. I can't believe it's been over a year since we thought last. So, so much has happened in that time. Yeah, so much has happened. You know, I mean, I, I think we're both, you know, heading down the right path in the right direction. You know, new music is always our passion. We have both, you know, a different approach about it, but no approach is wrong. And it's glad I'm glad to have you back on. Thank you. It's a pleasure speaking to you again. We'd like to talk today about the importance of new music and what it means to the livelihood of rock and roll, what it means to the relevancy of rock and roll. You can talk about the classic rock bands who we all know and we all love and we've seen them in concert and we go to their shows but the true lifeline the true lifeblood that's going to keep rock and roll going is the new rock and roll because at some point those classic rock bands are going to stop touring they're going to stop producing new music when you look at the landscape over the next 10 years we're in 2020 this year 2030, 10 years from now, you can say that with with pretty much confidence that 90% of the bands that are touring arenas and stadiums will no longer be making music and will no longer be touring. You know, the likes of your Iron Maidens, your ACDCs, your Rolling Stones, your Metallicas. Those bands don't have much longer to go they've said it you know and 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 what's going to replace that what's going to to be after that that's why we need to concentrate on new music that's why we need to focus on new music that's why we need need to be open to listening to new music whether it's here in the states there and and what i've found in speaking to people um it's just some people let's say that you get the impression that 
your support of new music or our support of new, mu- new music to them somehow is disrespecting the classic music that they love and that they want to listen to. So for some people that they they don't see that you can love both, that you can fully appreciate the great rock bands of you know a, a, an era that's gone, should we say? Um, some of which are still making great music, but you can also support and love the new bands that are coming through at the moment with, with special ones with you know just incredible talent and a, and a sound that's absolutely their own um i think until you know some people are very stuck in their ways like that and until we can get the real the rock fans on board to opening their minds up to listening to new, new music and supporting it then in a way they're going to be the ones killing rock as a genre you know by clinging on to the past that's great you know you have a connection with that that specific band or a song or a time Um, and of course we all do you know especially rock music it means something to us very very deeply very personally but you know younger people for example aren't going to necessarily have that same connection that we did to the music that we loved growing up so it's really really important to 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 um, sort of grab hold of these new bands and celebrate them as much as possible and showcase them and really give them the support that they deserve. I agree. You know, when you when you talk about the rock fan, it really falls under three categories, right? It falls under your classic rock, hardcore rock fans that have been listening since the 70s and 80s. You have your casual fan who just likes the music for background music and doesn't really have that connection to the bands or that loyalty to the music. And then there's the young fan who is absorbing music differently than we did back then. And, you know, when you when you break it down, the classic rock fan is more or less a lost cause. You know, they're not going to want to pick up, you know, and listen to new music. When they do, when they're exposed to it, when they do, the majority of them love it. They're like, wow, this is a great band. I mean, how many times have I heard over the last year and a half since I've been doing this, maybe you know, less than a year and a half, but you know, I, I have people message me all the time, oh, this band Rival Sons is great. How come I didn't know about them before? Well, Rival Sons has been around for 10 years, 10 plus years. Yeah. And it's, it was, it's, 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 the, it's the classic rock band's refusal to open themselves up and keep an open mind to listen to anything new. Now, when they hear Rival Sons, they're like, oh my God, this band's great. Well, why would they not think that other bands that are out there can give them the mm. same pleasure, can give them the same type of, of, of escape that they get with Rival Sons? I mean, that's what that's the point yeah. because you get the fan go, oh, new rock sucks. It doesn't. It doesn't. You know, it does it's not like it's not like it was back then. Well, nothing is going to be like it was back then. You yeah. can't compare it. Yeah, you know? nothing is going to be the same as Motet. Nothing is going to be the same as Guns N' Roses, as Metallica, as as Aerosmith. But do we want them to be the same? No, we don't. You know, a lot of the new bands, those are their influences. Their their influences are rooted in classic rock, but they made it their own and they have their own sound. And that's brilliant. You know, nobody wants to go and see a copycat band unless you actually want to go and see a cover band. But we're not talking about cover bands here. You know, because you'd rather see the real thing if that's what you were into. If you only wanted to to go see Aerosmith, you want to go see Aerosmith. But, you know, you've got to give the new bands a chance. Listen to their music. Listen to what they're doing. And I think people would be absolutely blown away, um, you know, if they did. If they opened themselves up to it. I think a lot of people don't see the new music. Well, you know, they're, they're not finding it easily enough and I don't know if it depends on what country you live in or, or what the reason for that is um, but it's certainly out there and you know speaking to the UK at least we have so much new music at the moment and it's never been easier to find and what I love about the bands is that they're really really interactive with their fans they appreciate the support you know they're not making money from CD sales the way the bands used to um, so they appreciate the support. They appreciate people coming out to see them, you know, a retweet, a like their page, whatever. And you, of course, you're not going to get that with with the, the classic rock bands. You're not going, you know, you not, can't interact with them on social media the way you can with the newer ones. And it's it's great to be able to follow the journey of some of these newer bands and watch them as they progress over the years. 
you know, one band that you mentioned, you mentioned rival bands. Of course, you've got uh, British bands like uh, Master Wagons, also been around for over 10 years, and the people are now really getting to see what they're made of. And of course, you know, we could have seen that years ago, but social media, from that point of view, has been fantastic in, in getting to know what's out there. Yeah, I was going to mention Massive Wackens too, along the same lines as Rival Sons. I mean, they've been around for 10 years. I mean, their last album, you know, charted in the UK. Unfortunately, they can't get a sniff in, in America, which is really disappointing because they're a great, phenomenal band. They're a great, high-energy band. Um, yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're a band that I think if they had exposure here in, in America, they would be, they would, they would blow up. And that's really the, yeah. the, the, the crux of it is, is, is the new young audience. Because like I said in the beginning of this conversation, they absorb music that's different than what we did when we were younger. We can talk about the physical <laughs> connection. I've spoken about it before. Now it's different. Now it's point-click download. You can download 100 songs. It costs you 14 bucks or 10 bucks a month, depending on what platform you use. And... You know, if if in a you know in, in a minute and a half of the song, you can fast forward to the next song. It's really hard to grab the young generation, although pop music and hip hop have, and I think rock yeah. and roll has not adapted fast enough to their audience, to, to the younger generation, like other genres have. Mm, yeah, I mean. It- be that old that old style that classic rock and roll sound that isn't attracting the younger generation and you know honestly i don't know what the answer is to that because a lot of these bands are the younger generation and yet the people that go and see them are their parents generation so yeah definitely the industry needs to work on how to get younger people listening to music and going out and, and seeing them obviously not at the moment with the you know covid lockdown but next year, there's going to be so many tours on, and I really do hope people go out, and especially younger crowds, go out and see these bands when they're on tour. I think when I, I use my, my 15-year-old as a gauge of what he's listening to, and he, he posts a, a playlist every week that I post on my Twitter feed, and it's a mixture. It's mostly new music. It's got some classic rock in there, too, as well. But him and his friends, you know, they like rock music, and I try to figure out what they're listening to. And I hear bands like The Crownlands, and I hear bands like like Joyous Wolf and Dirty Honey, and uh, you know, other bands, Greta Van Fleet and Tyler Bryant. And I see them listening to the, to that music. And you know, one of his friends, you know, listens to Massive Wagons too as well. So that's always really good. But you know, the masses of young people still are behind you know the curve when it comes to listening to rock. I do think, even though it was based on a time in the '80s, um, the movie The Dirt, which the subject matter is Motley Crue, it's their autobiography, is their movie, really resonated with a lot of young people. When you look at the demographic, according to Forbes magazine, prior to that movie. The demographic for Motley Crue and the people buying their music and merchandise was 30 and over, okay? After that movie, it became 25 to 35. So I think it was even 21 to 35. So the majority of the people are younger people buying that music where, you know, it's become like the Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which was a music movie here back in the 80s in the U.S. that resonate with the younger generation. I think now that, you know, every kid has seen that movie and exposed them to hard rock, exposed them to the to the lifestyle, to the partying, to the rock and roll and all that stuff. And all, all the kids are like, yeah, we've seen that movie. We love that movie. And I think that's transferred over to rock music where now they're listening to the newer bands because that's their generation. Mm. Yeah, I mean, making rock more mainstream, that's a whole another kettle of fish. I mean, how do we make rock more mainstream? Um, yeah, you know, if we get the commercial radio stations playing newer rock music, but you know, at the end of the day, they've got their shareholders and their sponsors and everything to to keep happy, and they know that if they're going to if they play, you know, Led Zeppelin, ACDC, Deep Purple over and over again, they're going to keep the majority of their their listeners happy. Therefore, their shareholders are happy. And they're not willing to take the risk on playing new bands. Um, so, you know, it's that question, where do we go from there? We want, we want more exposure for these bands, 
they could pay to tour with a bigger band, which, you know, I don't agree with, but that's the way it's done. But, you know, this is... This, this is something that, you know, I feel quite strongly about, that the bigger bands, if they would only take out with them, smaller bands, um, you know, when they went touring, which some of them do, um, you know, credit where credit's due, but not enough of them. And I think that'd be a great way for the bands to get exposure. Um, the problem we've got as well with mainstream exposure is if the bands become too mainstream, that will put off a lot of rock fans because although we kind of saying, yes, we want everyone to hear about rock music, we want them to, to embrace it as much as we are. There's still an element of, well, what happens if that that does become true and that people start, you know, in their masses um, listening to bands that we've been listening to, say, for the last five or so years, you know, are we going to think, oh, well, this band's sold out or oh, we're not going to find them cool anymore? There is a kind of I was going to say okay, snobbiness, I think, among some rock fans, where if a band that they love and that they've sort of supported since the beginning starts getting too popular and a load of new fans kind of jump on the bandwagon, then they, you know, can, there's a chance they'll turn against the band and they're no longer cool. So bands have got a lot, new bands have got, you know, a lot of issues to contend with, I think, there. In, it's a fine line, I think, for, for some people. Um, you know, do they go and chase the dream of being, you know, selling out stadiums and being big and risk alienating a portion of the fans that, you know, were there from the start? Or is it a case of rock fans just having to accept, well, if we want them to, to be exposed more, we want them to have a much bigger following, then we've got to be happy for them when that happens. Yeah, yeah, which I agree with. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think a small, you know, I, I agree with you in that, you know, people will, you know, be distance themselves from rock bands that become too mainstream. You always hear the people say sell out and, you know, they turn yeah. their back on their real fans. And there's always going to be that. I think that that will always exist, whether, you know, we heard it with Metallica and, you know, we've heard it with other bands across you know, decades that have done that. I just think that it's just a small percentage, but I think it doesn't have to be mainstream again, right? It doesn't have to be, I don't even know if it ever really was mainstream, but I just think it needs to have a place again. And I think the younger generation, like when you grab a young fan, you have that fan for life. That fan will always be a fan of yours if you're a young band. Yeah. I mean, look at look at the classic rock fan. All, all these classic rock mm-hmm. fans have been fans of these bands since they were kids, and they shell out hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars sometimes to go see a, a band that they love because they've been listening to them for yeah. decades. So that's when you really want to grab them, and that's why it's so important. I just think that, you know, it's becoming a singles type of world we live in, meaning that, you know, people – you know, young rock fans, you know, listen to the singles. You know, these bands, these hip hop artists, these pop artists drop a single every couple of weeks or every month or whatever the case is, and then boom, they listen to it. And I think that is really, and you see a lot of bands going that way, especially here in 2020. They're releasing a lot of EPs. Of course, the pandemic has a lot to do with that. But I think that's going mm-hmm. to be the trend going forward: is a little bit of music over a long period of time where kids can absorb it and kind of keep their focus and attention on them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when you look at, I mean, Greta Van Fleet was a band that, or is a band, that really connected with a lot of young kids. You know, my son, his friends, they all listen to him. We can say what we want about them. I'm a big fan. I know there's a lot of people that aren't, and that's fine. But those are the classic rock fans that say, you know, the comparison of Led Zeppelin or they're mm-hmm. not that good. But the the fact remains is that we need that band along with a couple others that are gaining popularity, like the Struts that are from the UK. Another one is Tyler Bryant that's a lot about to release an album. We need those bands yeah. to really connect with the younger audience because it means so much for the other bands behind them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's that. It's the connection, 
that's the important thing there as well. You know, if you're not connecting with your fans, then you don't have a chance. That's what it's all about. So, you know, whether some of these bands aren't connecting and they're therefore they're not getting a younger audience, um, well, whether that's true or not, we'll we'll, we'll have to see. But um, I think, the, you know, the more a band can do to connect, then the more chance they've got of getting the audience to stay with them and to really follow them and feel a part of, of that experience. You know, you mentioned the way bands interact with their fans now, which is something that I never experienced when I was a kid. Bands did not interact. Obviously, we didn't have the platforms we did back then. But even at shows or even at concerts, you know, you didn't have accessibility to the bands like you do now. And I think that's mm. tremendous. And I think that's a really unique way that artists can connect. And I know the younger, you know, generation really digs that, really likes that. You know, like I know my son, you know, talks to the guitar player from the band South of Eden on Instagram. And I know he, you know, he loves it when a band like you know, Crownlands likes his playlist and stuff like that. That's really cool for for that young fan, that young audience to have that. And I think that is a great, unique way. And I think that's a awesome thing to do to capture young fans. Yeah, you know, definitely social media is the way forward. And like you said, you know, back in the day, of course, we didn't have social media. And say if you're at a gig, the chances of you meeting the band you were going to see were, were very, very slim. So you didn't really have any way of communicating with the band itself. Now you do. And that's actually fantastic for the band and for the fans. Uh, you know, it, it can create a very loyal fan base. And that, that ultimately is what bands want. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll get, I'll speak to a lot of bands and, but, you know, I'll find out. What's, what platforms they're on. They'll say, oh, well, we do Facebook, we don't do Twitter, yeah, we've just not kind of got round to it, or, or we do this, we don't do that. And I say, look, you know, you need to be on these platforms and you really, really need to use them to your advantage because it's for your benefit. And, you know, it's not hard to do, but you, you often find there'll be one person in a band, sometimes more, which is great, but one person that deals with all the social media or social media ink, as I call it, so all the social media in the all the responses be done by one person, and as long as it's being done by somebody, that's absolutely fine. And it's better coming from a member of the band than a manager or a PR company, because people want to connect with the the bands themselves, with the artists who are making the music, putting it out there. So I would say definitely, you know, if you're in a in a, a new band and you want to grow your fan base. And you want that exposure, get on social media and, and just get on with it. You know, tweet, retweet, just put as much information out there as possible about yourself and the band. And, you know, it will, it will definitely pay off. I'm sure of it. Yes, I agree. It, it has to happen. I mean, that's just the way it is right now. And, and being on all social media platforms you really need to be on the big three. You need to be on Instagram. You need to be on Twitter. And you need to be on Facebook. You need to have your YouTube page. Most bands, I think every band has a YouTube page. But you need to cross-promote all that stuff. You need to share yeah. all that stuff and, and get the word out because that's how, you know, some bands, you know, when you go on their YouTube page and you click on their video and you're listening and you says show info and you click on that, some bands don't have their links to their to their uh, yeah, social don't. media yeah. and, and they're losing yeah. an opportunity for, for a fan to be like, Oh, they're on Twitter. I use Twitter. Oh, they're on Facebook. They need to do that. It's so important. Yeah. I mean, I've discovered some, some incredible bands, as you know, um, and some of them I've never heard of before. And I, you know, they're local bands. And I said, how is it? I've not heard of you before. And it's like, kind of their stronger shoulders. I don't know. And you know, then I look at the social media, they don't have any, <laughs> I was thinking, this is absolutely crazy. You know, they might, maybe they're on Instagram or something, but they need to get out there. And, and because, you know, at the end of the day, you need to do as much as you possibly can to promote yourself. Of course, other pe some people pay others to do it. And that's fine if they want to do that. But they're going to get more out of it 
if they do it themselves, if they go out there, they tweet every day, and they build up an audience. And that's that's the way forward, I think. Yeah, it's it's amazing how bands don't prepare themselves. And that's not every band, because there are quite a few that do. But if you're putting out a song on YouTube, and you're also going to put it out, let's say, on Facebook, you need to have everything ready to go. And you need to have your Twitter page, your Instagram, all ready. Because people, if they like it and they connect with it, are going to want more of you. They're going to want access to you. And if if they prim- if they if they find you on YouTube and they primarily use Twitter over Facebook, like I've noticed, and I don't know if this is correct, you can answer this for me. Is Twitter not as popular as Facebook in the UK? What you mean among bands? Among bands, yeah. Because I notice a lot of bands in the UK and Europe use Facebook more than than Twitter. Yeah, you know what I think that's. And I do wonder if it's because they have a slightly older audience uh, who who are possibly more likely to use Facebook than Twitter. That's what I thought. Um, because, yeah, there are bands that definitely, in the UK, definitely, definitely use Facebook more than Twitter. And that's the conclusion I've come to, that it's to do with the audience. Um, that they're either that they're aiming towards or that they've already got. You know, um, but I, I think they need to be on everything, like you said. Um, to you know, because each, each platform has got its own audience. So, right? Yeah. Very, very I'm few people. Surprised. Very few people use both Facebook and Twitter. I mean, or if they yeah. have both, they use one more than the other. And you really need to capture, yeah. like you said, both yeah. audiences on each platform. That's right, you do. So, you know, it takes, it's time-consuming. I know that. You know, social media is time-consuming, but it's absolutely worth it. So um, that's, what, that's what I always advise the bands. Get on Twitter, get on Facebook, and please interact. You know, we want to hear about you and your music, and only you can make that happen. So, you know, it doesn't cost anything. It just takes time. You know, you've been in the trenches now for quite a bit and getting interviews with new bands and shining a spotlight on them and doing a wonderful job. What have you seen, if anything? Obviously, it's tough to gauge because 2020 is more or less the lost year, as it will be remembered. You know, so many issues, so many problems. Everything got put on pause. But prior to that, there was a momentum building in rock music both here in america both in in the uk where you're at in europe and other places and what are your thoughts and what have you seen since you started doing this what has changed how has the audience grown has it grown by you or have you what have you seen in your mind in your view over the last few years Okay, so this is what I, I discovered. <laughs> My findings are this. In the last few years, and I can speak for the UK, the scene has grown incredibly, more than any of us could have anticipated, thanks largely to Facebook groups, which are just sprouting up, you know, in support of new music. New music. The obvious one, the main group, would be New Wave of Classic Rock, which some people don't like. I'm know, not, the, I, I have to admit it. I have to admit, I'm not a big fan yeah. of that tag, but go ahead. Yeah, because I think classic, you're talking about, you know, the emulating classic style, whatever. But it actually, it doesn't mean that. It, it's music that can be anything from blues and southern rock all the way to alt rock and metal at the heavier extreme, shall we say. So it really encompasses a very, very broad range of rock music. Um, and that group started at the end of 2017. It's now got the over 18,000 followers on Facebook. I mean, it's, it's incredible and very, very active followers. And so, of course, this has led to other groups sprouting up, uh, New Wave of Rock and Roll. It, 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 there's so many that when I um, share interviews and, and articles on, on Facebook, I have a choice of about 60 or 70 groups to share in, which three years ago wouldn't have, simply wouldn't have existed. So there's an incredible amount of support there. Um, for for new music and the emerging scene, emerging rock bands is another one. We've got 
a large number of podcasts, of uh, internet radio stations, all specialising in, um, you know, up and coming rock music and artists. Um, we've got a brand new magazine coming out now. You think that would be the worst time to bring out, you know, a print magazine uh, when others are going under, but we've got an emerging um, rock bands bringing out their own magazine and the reception to that has been absolutely phenomenal. So it's like, now is the time. And I know what you said about this year being a bit of a write-off, but actually a lot of artists have used it to the best of their ability. They're writing, they're still putting out albums that were ready to go. That Of course, they're not touring, or as much there are, you know, some bands I know have played some socially distanced um, gigs, and a lot of them have been live streaming, of course, on their Facebook pages. Um, so it's all still going on. And I think everything is just set for when we come out of this lockdown situation to just explode even more than it has done. You know, it's all that. There's more and more bands cropping up all the time that I haven't heard of but I think in those things you think wow you know they're just brilliant and um, I don't really think this, I mean well you know, I was going to say I don't think it will be so detrimental to the well it will be because not all bands are going to make it uh, through this and of course a lot of venues might not make it through this we had a couple in Manchester that were uh, set to close down amid the pandemic but have actually been rescued so thankfully that hasn't happened but you know it's hard to predict, really, which bands are going to, to make it through and which aren't. But from what I've seen, there's absolutely no slowing down. And it's the point where there's even new festivals, um, you know, for next year, ones that were going to be in an inaugural year this year, like uh, Bradstock, and then we have another one, Heretic Fest. Um, so these brand new festivals, you know, just promoting and playing the emerging rock scene, uh, new bands. So they're going to be postponed uh, the next other year. Fest. So um, definitely, definitely, definitely not fest. slowing new down. New England rock, of course, have had their Gaining web fest. Them, I think on a daily basis. I think we'll continue to do so at an incredible rate once lockdown's over. Yeah, I think we're dealing with kind of the same thing here, or things that are very similar you know, I think that now you're starting to see more of these bands releasing new material towards the end of the year. There's a hope that in 2021, things will begin to open up. I know some states are completely lifting all restrictions. We don't know, you know, how that's going to affect the virus, or we don't know if there is going to be a second wave. A lot of people are predicting there will be, what that will mean, mm-hmm. you know. So there's a lot of uncertainty in that regard. There's also, like you mentioned, the uncertainty of the venues. I just had a, 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 a member of Neva, the party that promotes the Save Our Stages platform for local venues, small venues, and small theaters for them to help get aid to stay open. And a lot of venues are going to be closing. A lot of them already have. So, mm. you know, I, 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 on one hand, I, I completely, I, I agree with you on all of it. But on one hand, there is going to be this surge of rock music that's going to come out once everything is lifted. And that's going to be great for the fan, right? That's going to be, there's going to be so much music, it's going to be, it's just going to blow up. And I hope that builds, helps pushing that momentum of rock and roll back into relevancy, the problem, yeah. the problem with that is when it does blow up, are there going to be venues that are going to be able to have these bands play at their clubs, at their theaters, and whatnot? That's the big question. My hope, my hope is that there, you know, there's always that supply and demand. So if there's so much coming out and there's so many bands that want to tour that are going to be out there that People will either open up old clubs again, if that's possible in certain areas. People will take an interest in opening up clubs because there's going to be so much coming out. That's a big question. I hope that happens. I don't have any factual data to support that. I'm just hoping that that's what occurs because right now, you know, obviously the, there's no supply because no one's touring, so things are closing. Mm-hmm. But when that does happen, will that give a rebirth to those small clubs and venues that that's the big that's the big question right yeah will they be able to get through this to the point where when they are 
able to, to reopen, that, that they can physically do it. You know, that they've got the finances to, to be able to host them. Because the, the problem is, if you're a small venue and you can only um, hold, you know, a very small number of um, socially distanced uh, audience members, then it's not financially viable for a venue to open a door with all the costs that it incurs. So, yeah, you know, it, you've really got to consider these things. Not certainly not easy for the venues. And now there's talk about certainly in the UK about uh, possible second wave and that stricter lockdown measures and things now being postponed further. You know, whereas there were gigs planned for say the end of this year, those gigs are now being postponed to next spring and summertime. So it's like when we thought it would be safe to go out. It's not going to be anymore, and those plans have changed. And hopefully, the venues can sort of hang on that bit longer um, until you know they are able to reopen and 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 continue going as before. Um, you know, obviously, like I said, there were those two venues in Manchester that had had shot and have been saved. Whether we'll hear more of that, I, I just don't know. It's just. It's such an unprecedented time we're living in at the moment that we just don't know at this stage what's going to be able to, to thrive as we come out the other end. You're right. We just don't know. And we are kind of keeping our fingers crossed that all the stars align and it, it creates that momentum that has been lost this year. I really thought 2020 was going to be the year that rock really kind of punched through and it was going to create a buzz again. And that, of, of course, didn't happen. I'm hoping 2021 is that 2020 that I thought it was going to be. But there's still a lot of questions. There's still a lot of unknown. And that's really the frustrating thing is it's hard to plan a tour for a band, a new band that, you know, is 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 looking to get out there and and build an audience it's really going to be hard for a band that you know wants to tour from la out to the east coast and kind of loop back and not have certain clubs in certain areas to play at because they're closed down so they can't build an audience in that marketplace so that's a lot of things to consider it's it's really you know yeah, yeah like you said it's there's so much unknown about what's going to happen but I just think that when the music does come out, there's going to be so many bands that are putting out new music, so many artists that are that are releasing new music, and then the fans want live music. The fans want to get out there. I mean, there's so many people on my Twitter feed and on my Facebook page that say, "Oh, you know, I can't wait to get out and play, you know and see a live show. I'm itching to get back. I'm itching to get back to see a live concert. I haven't seen a live concert since yeah. last November, and you yeah. know I do twenty to thirty shows a year. Um, I mean, obviously, you go to a way a lot, you know, a lot more than than I do, but um, I think there is going to be that that surge in people just wanting to go to a rock show again. Yeah, there certainly will be. I think everybody's just itching to get out. Of course. The problem we've got here in, in Britain isn't just coming out of the pandemic, it's coming out through Brexit because that's going to cause issues, certainly for, for touring bands uh, wanting to go tour around Europe and for European bands wanting to come and tour in the UK. So we've almost like got a, a double whammy there of, of issues that will need to be dealt with, um, things that are going to make it harder for touring bands to do what they do best, which is tour. Um, so, yeah, another unknown, basically. Why is that a, a, a challenge? Explain the Brexit challenge for a band that wants to tour Europe or a European band that wants to tour the UK. <laughs> I'm probably not the best person to ask about that, but certainly... Well, just give, give us the give us the bullet points, you know, just just the just the main things. I mean, is it has to do with like passport and getting access to countries that you had free access to before? Yes, exactly, exactly that. Yeah, just you know, borders having to. Um, I mean, I don't know what the actual process is by which bands need to, which bands need to go through in order to tour in the UK if they're from Europe, and vice versa. But there's certainly, you know, certainly anything that's going to 
impede what the process and make it harder is not going to be welcome. And, you know, bureaucracy, we all know what that's like. Um, so it's not going to be as easy, shall we say, as it is now. That's all I know about how Brexit is going to be affecting it. So from speaking to the band, I spoke to and I interviewed a lovely Dutch band just a couple of weeks ago. And, yep, they said it's going to be harder. You know, we're not sure when we're going to be able to come to the UK, how it's going to work. So, again, we just don't really know how it's going to work. And that's why I was kind of comparing the Brexit thing to coming out of the pandemic. It's just another unknown at the moment. You mentioned before about the bigger bands taking on the smaller bands on tour and mm-hmm. some bands having to pay to get on a tour. And, and yeah. you know, I, I agree with that 100% because I think that's so vital and so important because I remember back when I was growing up, how if I didn't know much about the opening act, I would go to the show and you know, I, they would, they would be exposed to me there. They would, they would, they would be, you know, I'd be able to see them. I'd be exposed to them. I should say and that very, yeah. very rarely happens. I mean, one of the big tours that came through a couple of years ago or last year was Judas Priest and Uriah Heep. And I'm a huge Judas Priest fan, Uriah Heep, I appreciate their music, and there's some songs that I like. I wouldn't say I'm a big fan of Uriah Heep, but, um, you know, Judas Priest is, is, a, is a great band that I've loved for, for a long time. Now, I know a lot of it has to do with the promoter. The promoter wants to make their money back on the tour. They want to be able to make a profit. They yeah. want to be able to, 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 you know, show that they've made a certain amount of revenue on the show, or on, the, on the tour, rather. Now, I agree with that. I mean, they have to make a living too. They have they run a business. I appreciate the business side of it. But my whole point, and I've spoken about this in the past, I don't think that you're going to sell more tickets because Uriah Heap is on the bill. I think you're going to sell just the same amount, whether it's Uriah Heap or the opening act is Massive Wagons or the opening act is, you know, Those Damn Crows or you know, Revival Black or Gorilla Riot or Writer's Creed or Takeaway Thieves or whoever the band is from the UK, I, I think people are going to go see Priest and then whoever the opening act is, it's just, who you know, they're going to be exposed to whether it's watching Uriah Heep, another classic rock band, or watching a new band. Hmm. I think, it, well, it depends on the mindset, I suppose, of the, the audience, whether they for me, I'd rather go and see the new band than, than you know another classic rock band. But I, yeah, you know, like you mentioned, it it's to do with money. It's all that's what it's down to, and that's the reason the classic rock stations play classic rock. You know, and it's the reason that classic rock bands will take out other classic rock bands with them on tour. You know, that's who they, I suppose the promoter will say, well, this is what our audience likes. They're coming to see this band, therefore they're going to like this band. So we're going to bring them out with us. It's yeah, it's short-sighted, and it's you know at the end of the day, a lot of decisions that are made in the music industry are made by people who don't actually understand music fans, and that's a real shame. Um, or do we say understand rock fans? Um, I think people that would assume that. A classic rock band, and I'm not talking about a huge band, but just a, a, you know, taking a classic rock band on tour with you is going to sell more tickets. I think that's a very short-sighted way of seeing things. I think there's a lot, certainly at the moment, there's a lot of love for the emerging scene, and I think they would possibly sell more tickets by bringing out an emerging band with them. Because, you know, like I said, these bands will go on their social media pages and they'll be tweeting about it, and there'll be a huge amount of interest drummed up through their social media. Um, so, yeah, you know, from my point of view, they should definitely bring out the newer bands. Whether it will ever happen, you know, well, that's down that's down to the bands and that's down to the promoters. I, I think about the band Deep Purple and their tour last <laughs> summer, and they brought a young band, a young band from California called Joyous Wolf, who is just an incredible band, and they brought them on tour throughout North America. And, you know, comparing that to Judas Priest, who brought out Uriah Heep, 
if you kind of compare, you know, apples to apples, I don't think the crowd size was affected because Deep Purple brought out a young band. And that's kind of like, you know, your point and my point, where if I see Judas Priest touring, because they're one of my favorite bands, I'm going to go see them. I don't care if it's Uriah Heep or, I don't, or a young band from the UK. I'm going to go see them. Now, yeah. if it's a young band, for me, I'm more, you know, inclined to go early to see the young band because, oh, I've never heard this band before. I'm going to go check them out. Whereas if I'm not the biggest Uriah Heep fan, I may not show up till like the middle of the opening set, right? I may not show up, you know, because, eh, you know, Uriah Heep's okay. I mean, and that's kind of how I feel. It's not that, you know, I, I you know, dislike them. They've just been a band that, you know, there's a couple songs that I like that, yeah, you know, uh, maybe I'll go check out half their set. But if it's a new band that I'm like, I've never heard before, I'm like, I want to go see who this is, check them out, you know, be exposed to them and, you know, give them a listen. Where Deep Purple did that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the, the crowd that you saw and, and heard that reacted to Joyous Wolf was all positive. And I, I, mm-hmm. I think that more bands need to do that, need to bring out, or if they're forced by the promoter, to bring out another classic rock band because sometimes the promoter has the say, then put a third band on the bill, you know, put a third band on yeah. that that is the younger band, you know, do that. I think that's I think that's important, and I think the headliner still has a lot to say with what happens. Yeah, I mean, I think that if the promoter feels they're not going to make any money from it from bringing on a new band, then they're just not going to do it because at the end of the day, you know. It's, an industry, music industry, it's a business. They want to make money from the tours. So they think, right, we're going to put an established band up and tried and tested, should we say. So that's what's going to make us the money. Um, and I think it's a lot of it to do with the mindset of the audience as well as to whether they'd be sort of open to going to see a band they hadn't heard of before. Like you and me, yeah, we definitely would. But there are certainly some people out there that say, oh, I've never heard of them. You know, I don't want to see them. Why would I? They're just a new band. They're probably going to be rubbish. And that, that unfortunately, is the mindset of a fair few classic rock fans. Um, and thankfully, not all of them. But, you know, at the end of the day, if, if the bands that we grew up listening to weren't given a chance, but then, you know, we wouldn't have heard them. So... You've got to, these fans have got to start somewhere, and I think unfortunately they would, they would you'd end up with a situation where rock fans are causing rock to die by not supporting the next generation of fans. And that's really the essence of this conversation: the lack of interest in new rock music is what's going to be. Like I said, rock and roll will never die. It will always be played, but it's going to become smaller and smaller. The relevancy is going to become less and less, and it's going to be like what jazz is, where it's in small clubs or you know small theaters because it just doesn't have the audience. I mean, when, when someone says to you, new rock sucks, it either means that they've never really listened if they heard one or two bands that they didn't like, they basically say, oh, everything, you know, sucks. They won't even listen to it. You know, they're not my Led Zeppelin. They're not my Guns N' Roses. It's just a very closed-minded way of thinking. And we said at the beginning of this conversation, every time you sit down with a person who thinks that new rock music sucks and you play new rock music for them, by the end of that conversation – they'll like the bands that you're playing for them, you know? Mm. And, and, and it's, yeah. it's just, it's amazing that how short-sighted and closed-minded someone can be um, about music and music. Rock music has given so much yeah. greatness and so much memories to someone's life. It's almost like you know, they're the rock fan is killing rock and roll and, and by, by just not listening, by not, engaging it it's just it's very sad yeah and if you try and promote new rock music to people that 
to that think it sucks that don't don't want to listen to it. They will react to you as if you're trying to take something precious away from them by uh, almost denigrating their their memory and their connection with the music they love. Which of course you're not trying to do at all. You're trying to say listen to this as well as whatever you're listening to, and you know you'll see the talent is there, the songwriting is there, lyrics, everything. You just need to give it a chance. But you know, I I, I sometimes think of parallels with other things. For example, art or books. You wouldn't say, I couldn't imagine, you know, somebody saying, right, well, I love Shakespeare. Everything Shakespeare's written is the best. Therefore, I'm not interested in reading any new books or anything beyond that because it's not going to be the same and it's not going to be as good. You just don't do that, you know? So you've got the same with, with art. You wouldn't say, well, I'm only going to look at paintings by by Rembrandt or Picasso because those are the paintings I love about or Van Gogh. And I'm not going to look at any other artwork because it's not going to be as good and it's not going to be the same. That doesn't happen. But so why is it happening with rock music? Yeah, yeah that's the that's the big question, right? I mean, when you think of a sports team, you know, whether it's, you know, Manchester United or whether it's the U- New York Yankees, athletes come and go from those teams, you know, and just because an athlete leaves or retires from a soccer team or from a baseball team or from a football team doesn't mean you you are no longer a fan of that team. You know, there's a yeah. new player, there's a rookie, there's a guy that's never played before that's really good. And and just because you love a band from yesteryear, whether it's Zeppelin, Crew, whoever, Sabbath, doesn't mean you have to stop liking them. I'm still the biggest Led Zeppelin fan. Cool. But, yeah. you know, I, I, I love the new energy of, of the new music. To me, if I only listen to the same bands for the rest of my life, I'm 45, if I only listen to the same yeah. bands for the rest of my life, Life would be boring. Like me, my Absolutely. my my musical journey would 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 pretty much end, and I don't want it to end. I want it to keep going. And like I said, the classic rock fan is who they are, and it's very hard for 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 someone like you or myself to turn them. But I I think at the end of the day, the 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 push needs to be with the younger audience because I think they're still open-minded. Their minds are still open to new things and new experiences. And I think really that needs to be the focus on, on what's happening out there. I think at the end of the day, the classic rock fan, let's say we, you know, 25% of them like new music. The other 75% are set in their ways. They're, they are who they are. And, you know, why spend all that energy trying to get, classic rock fans to turn when we should spend all our energy on capturing the minds of the youth and, and that audience. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, a lot of it's about nostalgia for many people. Um, but, you know, you can still be nostalgic about the bands you love whilst also embracing newer bands. So it's not an either-or situation. You can have both. Um and, you know, that's exactly what, what we should be doing, supporting the new bands, helping them to get to the place that the bands that we love from yesteryear have got to. You know, why should it stop? There's no reason why it should stop. You know, things have changed, like we said, social media and people consuming music in a very different way to before. But, yeah, everything changes in every aspect of life. That's the way it is. Some people see it as progress. Other people don't. But either way, it's going to happen. So, you know, as long as we can see the talent is out there, then we need to embrace that and really, you know, it, it's a shame when I hear of, of rock fans saying, no, all, all, like, new music's rubbish. Because, you know, what, what do they want to happen? They want to just listen to their music that they've been listening to for, like, 40 years, and then it, it will all end, and that's it. But, you know, they're happy in their own little bubble, but the, work, the world doesn't work like that. You know, we don't pop now when we are all in bubbles. <laughs> but most of the time, you know, things progress, things move on. Yeah, sometimes it's not always for the best. But when we see that the talent is there, we need to really celebrate that and push it forward. I mean, things are hard enough as it is with new bands getting noticed. Um, so anything we can do to help support the new bands on their journey, then, you know, all the better. 
let's talk about the tag, you know, the the new wave of classic rock because it's it's yeah. an interesting tag that that's that that you know that that is on social media. I've talked to a lot of bands, I've interviewed a lot of new bands on the new music spotlight that I do for the podcast. Off the record, they don't like the tag because they feel that they're new, they're not classic, that they don't want to be associated with classic rock because when I talk about classic rock with my son, you know, classic rock for him is dad's music where, you know, and I can see where new bands want to be their own entity. I don't think that, you know, the, the new wave of classic rock tag comes from a bad place. I think it's actually positive. I think it's great that they're trying to expose new bands. I have nothing to, to, you know, bad to say about what they're doing on their platform. I think it's awesome. But do you think yeah. that, that classic word in there, that word classic, yeah. is a detriment? It's problematic. And I've had bands say very similar things to me as well. Um, and, you know, I've had other people say it's an oxymoron. How could it be new? How could it be a classic at the same time? I think, well, I don't know for sure. I think that if the, the, the creator of the Facebook group could go back and change the name in hindsight, then they possibly would. Um, because, class, yes, using classic in there does put people off it. Um, I, I know that. You know, there's other similar names around, like New Wave of Rock and Roll, which doesn't have that classic tag, but you still think, well, the music then is rock and roll, which is a very specific genre within rock. Um I think it's, it's a tricky one because the way I've tended to explain it in the past, and I, I wrote an article on this uh, for a magazine, is that it's the new band that's going to be the classic rock bands of the future, if you see what I mean. So these are the ones mm-hmm. that are going to be pushing ahead that will eventually be considered by future generations, future generations as classic rock bands. So it's not so much about the sound or the style of the music, but about where they're heading, if you see what I mean. Yeah, I see that, you know, and I understand that, you know, um, it's, it's a very difficult thing because I, you know, you're trying, I, I look at it when I see it is the new wave of classic rock is you're trying to grab the classic rock, fan the classic rock audience into being exposed to this new music which is great that's how yeah. i that's how i read it and I, and i think a lot of people read it the same way um and i but i understand your description of it where these are the bands that are going to be the future classic rock artists yeah it's it's a very might- yeah it's a very <laughs> fine line to walk it's a very tight it's it's kind of like a tightrope to walk yeah. in you know in, in people's perception yeah, because like if you have to explain it, then it's not good, <laughs> you know. Right. So, so what term would encompass the emerging scene? The only thing that you could say is the emer- emerging rock band, which which is now being used. So that's probably the way around it. But you know, new wave classic rock has become so well known now mm-hmm. that it almost doesn't really matter how it's interpreted because you can see so many bands connecting with that genre and embracing it and, and wanting to be considered a part of it or, you know, that whole, the whole, I couldn't say the sound that encompasses, but there's many sounds and many styles that encompasses. So I, I don't think it. I think we just found out. I think we just found a new hashtag. And I think, I think we, we, we can, we can merge a new hashtag, new wave, oh, new wave of emerging rock. New wave of emerging rock. Yes, that's nice. Right, okay. Let's copyright that. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, yeah, I, I think, you know, because I, I like the tag new wave of rock, but I kind of also see your point. But, you know, emerging rock bands does a fantastic job with what they do in their presentation. You know, taking that word emerging with new wave and rock and new wave of emerging rock, I think there you go. I think that's that's what we that's, – that's, that's a good – Hashtag. Yeah, it would be. I mean, I don't think New Wave Festival is going to change now that they're so well known. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
certainly room for other people to bring out their own names if they wish to. But, you know, it is what it is. So I, I don't think it's such a bad name, quite honestly. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I think it comes from a good place. I don't think it's, you know, yeah. but I but I think it's, I, I I think it's focusing on I think it's focusing energy on the on the on the wrong crowd. I think everything that should be marketed and pushed should be towards the younger generation. And if some classic rock fans yeah. wanna wanna come into the to the fray and listen to the to the new bands, great. That's awesome. You know, instead of spending eighty percent of your energy on, you know, what twenty percent, you know, will give you spend, you know, spend 20% of your energy on what 20% will give you, you know, I mean, don't, don't try to spend more energy on something that is like a big ship in the night trying to change its course and turning and it takes forever to do that. So that's kind of like my analogy for it. I don't know if that's good or bad, but, um, but that's kind of where I see it. I just think that, um, like I said, I think it's great. I think it's positive that they're, that they are promoting new music i just wish that hashtag would be different because i just think it sells the wrong thing yeah i mean when they started i don't think they had any idea it was going to take off to the extent sure, where sure, it's been yeah. used in, in say classic rock magazine as a term you know it's almost a genre within itself when you go to classic rock now uh, it's that widely used so you know it's like bands that pick names and they, they get really big and they look back and say well if i knew we were going to be this big I would have chosen the better name, like Two Fighters, for example. I'm pretty sure that that Dave Grohl once said that. So, yeah, you know, you, once it's done, it's done. The fact is, people know what it is, and when they see you in Plastic Rock, they know what they're going to to get. They know it's about the emerging bands, and that it's not. Hopefully, they realise it's not all going to be bands that just have a classic rock sound, because um, they don't all have that sound. You know, they're all all completely different. And once again, it's been a great conversation. I really appreciate you doing this. Thanks for coming on the podcast once again. Lovely talking to you. Thank you very much for having me. Why don't you plug all your stuff? I know you got a lot going on, so you can have the floor. What uh, What's going on with you? Well, I'm concentrating at the moment on my interviews for YouTube. So check out my YouTube page. Uh, links are on my pinned tweets on Twitter. Um, Anastella Rock. And that's mainly what I'm focusing on. I have got a big project in the pipeline, as you know, which I'm not going to go into detail with yet for fear of jinxing it. But believe me, you'll be the first to know, and I will definitely be shouting about it if it gets off the ground. That's great. That's awesome. Um, once Thanks. again, you know, Anastella is in the trenches in the UK, spotlighting bands, interviewing bands, showcasing them wherever she can on. Twitter, YouTube. She's great. She knows her stuff. Thanks again, Anne, for coming on the show. Thank you again. Lovely talking to you. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope everyone enjoyed the show. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we will talk again soon. Thank you. I'm a soldier. I'm in the trenches, fighting every day to succeed. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.